Welcome to the Leadership Void Podcast. Enrique and Vince here, and we're all about helping you develop and fill the areas of void in your leadership. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of the Leadership Void Podcast. Enrique here with my partner, Vince, and we have a special guest all the way from the West Coast. And folks, we're so excited because we started in our last podcast uh, on our nationwide tour. So we started with Texas, now we're in California, and Vince is going to introduce our special guest, and I'm so excited for it. Absolutely. We have the pleasure of having not only a former Army Special Forces guru, Green Beret, but also the founder and CEO of Broughton Hotels, Mr. Larry Broughton. So we're so excited. Thank you for joining us. So we'll just start off. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, thanks, Enrique. Thanks, Vince. Um, Well, first of all, I want to thank you guys for doing this kind of podcast. Um, I speak all the time about what I call the leadership gap. You guys call it leadership void. I think we're talking about the same thing, right? There are so many people out there that are just missing the mark. And if more people would step into the leadership gap, I think we'd have fewer problems in life in business, in politics, in religion, in education. So thank you guys for stepping into this gap and and helping out Um, because it's, I think it's one of the most significant uh, challenges that face our times, right? Um, So who the heck am I? I guess is really the question, right? Why am I on your show? Right out loud. Um, So I own a a hotel company uh, based here in California. We have uh, uh, some hotels in Chicago, others in California. We'll probably talk about this as we get going, but we're about to go on a big growth spurt um, as well. Just like you guys are doing a nationwide push, we're doing the same thing. Um, I grew up in very rural New York um, and was looking for a way out. <laughs> we can get into this a little bit if, if you want, but I ended up uh, enlisting in the, the Army um, when I was about 19 years old. I moved out of my parents' house when I was uh, 17 with my twin brother and a, a buddy of ours. My twin brother and I were into martial arts at the time. I was working at McDonald's, flipping burgers for a living, um, became a shift manager, uh, but ultimately went down and enlisted and uh, tried out for special forces, made it, um, and it changed my freaking life uh, forever, right? Um, Spent about uh, eight and a half years on special forces A-teams and um, end up feeling like I wanted to get into the political arena. I spent some time around the world and started thinking, damn, if these knuckleheads can run a country, I can run a country. How hard can it be? <laughs> right? um, and so I thought maybe I'd want to get into the political arena. Didn't know whether I wanted to run for political office or whether I wanted to get in the State Department. Uh, but I do, did know that I wanted to kind of be in the arena, as Teddy Roosevelt talks about, right? Um, instead of just being one of those spectators in the stands who point the finger and say, oh, they're doing it all wrong. I was willing to get in the arena, get bloodied, you know, get muddied. Um, and actually really make a difference. Well, after playing in that arena for a little bit while I was going to college um, and uh, being in the business arena, I realized I could really make more of an impact on my community and make more of a multi-generational impact on the people I cared about and loved by being an entrepreneur, by creating opportunities for other people, um, and then by coaching them and helping them change the multi-generational curse of poverty, for instance, because um, I just realized the political arena was not going to get it done. So um, I ended up uh, spending about 14 and a half years 
about 14 years with my former company where I became a partner. And then back in 2001, um, I launched my own hotel company. So 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago. And, um, and here I am down here in Southern California. I've got two great kids, a 19 year old and a 16 year old who keep me very busy, keep me young. Um, and um, right now, as we were talking about before the show started, just slaying the dragons, you know? If people are watching this today or in this season that we're in, we are in unprecedented, unprecedented, apocalyptic in some way times. And I think that some of the leadership stuff that uh, um, uh, that worked centuries ago will still work today, but some of the management skills that worked 10 years ago aren't gonna work today. So we really have to be nimble. Um, and so I think that uh, Life is awesome. There's great opportunities out there. I have a friend who used to say, it's a great life if you don't weaken. And I think that's true. <laughs> so that's who I am. That's what I do. Oh, and by the way, I, I write books. I do some TV from time to time on MSNBC, on Fox, and on Travel Channel. Um, I've got a, a uh, the current book I've got out is called Victory. It's a number one bestseller. Um, it's for entrepreneurs and leaders. I'm working on another book right now on storytelling um, and um, that's kind of what I do. And I coach and mentor people. So I'm a, I, I, I jokingly call myself a schizophrenic entrepreneur because I don't know what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> that is a lot, that's, that's for sure. Now, it, you know, I, I, I love how you really summarized uh, what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, it is uh, not only challenging, but uh, sometimes borderline scary for a lot of folks. Uh, this is deadly times. Uh, so when you said apocalyptic, I was like, yeah, that, it's, it's a lot of people uh, perishing. Yeah. But um, Enrique, it's not it's not borderline scary. It is scary. But let's be honest. When this first happened, I, I was speaking in an event in I think it was Dallas, March third or fourth, when this was first like the first event where people were like doing elbow bumps and foot taps and that kind of thing and. Um, and we really didn't get our brain around what was really happening to the country at the time. But by the time I got back here to my office, back there to my office, I'm in my home office now, um, and things really started getting closed down, I started calling other CEOs that I knew um, because I knew the tendency for leaders. We're, we, it is a lone, it's a lone wolf journey sometimes, at least it feels that way. It shouldn't be, but it feels that way. And I knew based on my own history, if I didn't reach out to somebody, then I was going to isolate. And you guys as veterans know the worst thing that we can do is squirrel up, right? The worst thing we can do is squirrel up. And left to my own devices, that's what I was going to do. So I knew if I was going to do it, other CEOs were going to do it. And that first couple of weeks when I was making these phone calls, um, there were people who would break down crying on the phone with me and say, for the first time in my career, I have no idea what I'm going to do. I have no idea. I, I'm so glad you're calling because no one else has called. And um, we have to have the courage to reach out to other people, right? And I, this is the plea. I don't, I, I don't want to jump right into it. But as a leader, we have to have guts. Courage changes only everything in our life, right? Think about the times in our lives, Enrique, where they didn't go the way we wanted. But if we would have had the guts to step out and do the hard right over the easy wrong, things would have been completely different, right? 
And so by picking up the phone and calling some of these CEOs, I know for a fact, and it's not me, but by me making that phone call, I saved someone from jumping off the building that day. When that downturn happened back in 2008, I know six CEOs that took their own life in that first week. Okay, this is a scary time. So it is scary. And I think we just have to admit it. Because too many of us think that we're just going to power through it and pretend that it's not scary. No, it is scary. But that doesn't mean that we're not courageous. That doesn't mean that we're not brave. It means that we move forward anyway. So I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I think it is so important that we as leaders talk about this because we beat ourselves. Oh my gosh, I'm scared. I'm not supposed to be scared. No, you're, it's scary is normal, <laughs> right? But moving out in spite of it, that's the thing to do. Yeah, no, and I, I appreciate that. Uh, and by all means, interrupt as you, as you will. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, okay. No, 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 no. You're good, good. because good. Uh, the reality is that uh, these are one of those gaps that we talk about, right? The gap, the exactly. void is exactly yeah. where we, where we uh, talk about. Yeah. And I, I love uh, you guys' mission statement, which says uh, authentic people delivering uh, creative solutions, right? Yes. And yes. so the, the, the fear is there the scare is there. Yes. Uh, it's what leaders do with that. Right. And That's so, right. That's right. so kudos on you for reaching Thanks. out because in reality, that is what you did. You spared someone and a solitary action or decision uh, without help. Right. And so that, that was great on your part. Um, yeah. And, and being a, that type of leader, I'm sure that, uh, that your folks are, you know, absorbing that. Uh, so, um, when it comes to your hotels and, and things like that in your hotel chain, uh, what can you tell us about uh, that endeavor for you? Yeah, well, as a, uh, generally, you know, we've got several hundred team members. Um, and, um, but currently we've had to furlough about 65 or lay off about 65% of our, our team. Now, I did something a little bit different and uh, ballsy, excuse the language, ballsy. Um, vulnerable, courageous, and some people's views, stupid and crazy. And that when this first happened, um, I looked at the calendar and looked at the impact that these types of events have had on the hospitality industry, on the business industry or the business community, and realized that um, if I don't reach out for help publicly, that we're not going to survive. And so I did a video and did a public plea and said, friends, family members, if you're willing to help out, I'm willing to take your help. I'm willing to receive. I think the worst thing that we can do when somebody offers help is say, no, I've got it. You're, it's like you're, you're rejecting the gift that somebody's willing to give you, right? And so um, I had some people who said that, that that was the craziest thing I could have done is to go public and say, hey, any help you're willing to give us, we're willing to take, we're willing to receive. The interesting thing was this, I had, we call them team members, we don't call them employees. Mm -hmm. And the reason is you call somebody an employee, words have meaning, right? You call someone an employee, they're gonna show up like an employee. Hey, is it payday boss? Thank God it's Friday kind of thing. Well, if you call them team members, they're gonna show up like team members, right? Like we're all in it together. And so when I had team members emailing and calling me, sending me texts, thank you so much for doing that. It proves to me that you care about us. What I saw oftentimes, and you guys know this all the time because this is what you talk about, about the leadership void, is that so many CEOs were squirreling up and not communicating with their team members about what was really going on. The team members and the employees, they know really what's going on, 
they can see it. They're the first ones to see, see it, right? When the cash register stops ringing, right? <laughs> or paychecks are bouncing, but the CEOs are going dark and not communicating, their mind is gonna go to the worst case instead of communicating what's really going on, right? So um, I think your question is like, what are we doing? Um, well, what we're doing is we batten down the hatches for the first couple of months and went into survival mode, right? Just really trying to figure out how are we gonna do this? We went in and we started negotiating with banks, negotiating with vendors, doing whatever we could to keep the doors open. We started reopening. There were some hotels that didn't close. Um, and at the simultaneously, I was going out and said, all right, we've got to pivot. We can't just manage properties. We've got to actually go into the acquisition mode because there is an opportunity here. The opportunity might not be here today, but it's going to be here in three months, six months, nine months, whatever. And so we started going out to high net worth investors and saying, okay, here's where the landscape is today. Here's where we think the battlefield is going to be in nine months. We need to build a war chest so that we can actually take advantage of the opportunities they're going to start presenting themselves and so we're about to go into acquisition mode now um, that we wouldn't have been able to go into two years ago so um, we're, tr we're trying to not take advantage of but take advantage of the opportunities that are being uh, uh, laid out in front of us what i'm trying to do is not be the bottom feeding um shark are sharks bottom feeders? Anyway, I don't want to be the shark. I don't want to be the vulture. I don't want to be the bad guy. I want to be the white knight. I want to be the somebody who comes in and not screw somebody over when they're down, right? But to do some fair deals where they have a little bit of dignity on the other side. Um, and we, you know, create opportunities to move forward as well. Because I am seeing that, Enrique, where there are people who are taking advantage of people and not taking advantage of situations. Does that make sense? It's a little bit nuanced, but anyway, so that's what we're doing now. No, I love it, Larry. This is Vince again. So, hey, you know, talk about the public plea. You know, that's one thing okay. I decided to do was really help you and your company out, you know, yeah. me giving it to, to your cause because yeah. I, I felt it. I, I felt the words came out of your mouth from my heart to your heart. Yeah. So, I, I'm, I'm grateful that you did that because a lot of leaders will not do that. They shame away, close the doors. And, and as you mentioned, six committed suicide in 08. So it's, it's phenomenally worthwhile. It's not stupid. It was the best option you did. So I love hearing that. And early on, and if whatever you can share, look, I would love to know and share with the audience, what is on the horizon for Broughton Hotels? Um, be Good. curious to know. Yeah. Well, thank you for saying that, Vince. Um, I, I'm going to tell you, doing that public plea, it was not an easy thing. I had a fellow veteran friend of mine, uh, Chris Dombach, um, who's a Marine friend. So now we've got almost, we just need a Coast Guard guy to jump on here in a minute. And I'll, I'll mention a Coast Guard just to, so we can round it out um, here in a minute. But a friend of mine, uh, Chris Dombach, a former coaching client of mine, and I went back and forth about this. And I was like, I'm going to email people. You know, maybe I'll, and he said, no, dude, you got to do it from heart. You have to do a video plea because people are going to feel it, right? Things get lost in translation when it's just written, right? Um, so uh, thank you for saying that, Vince. Um, but I did have some clients who say that was really stupid. I had some senior executives who say it was a really stupid thing to do. But in the meantime, I've seen a lot of our competitors fold up. They're, they're, they're no longer around any longer because they didn't really speak up, reach out. Um, and so 
they become victims of uh, the circumstance, right? So what's on the horizon, I think it's great things. Um, the challenge is, as I'd mentioned, we are going into an acquisition mode, um, but the challenge is communicating that to team members so that they can believe in the future because everyone around them is talking doom and gloom. You turn on any news channel, I don't care which part of the political spectrum you're on, where you get your news from, it's like the world is crashing in around us. And, um, and when they look at their family members or they look at friends who are no longer employed and their businesses have shuttered up, they've closed up shop and they don't know what the heck they're gonna do, it's very easy for people to get sucked under by the negativity, right? And so if I'm, and I am, in some people's cases, the only positive voice speaking up and speaking out and talking about optimism and that I'm positive about the direction we're going and I believe in our future and I know that things are gonna turn by the end of the year, at some point people start thinking you're crazy, <laughs> right? But what's the alternative, Vince? What's the alternative, right? Um, one of the mantras that I, and I'm not the brightest tool in the shed, I'm, I'm pretty smart, but I'm not the brightest one. So I live by mantras. And one of the things I often say is that you can't light a fire with a wet match. We as leaders need to be the voice of optimism. We need to be the ones who are sparking, being that match for other people, you know, um, speaking positivity and speaking to people's, not only people's potential, but the potential and projects that we're investing in. Um, so the horizon, I believe, looks awesome for us. And I'm not just speaking hyperbole, uh, but I really do believe that great things are going to happen. Perseverance and tenacity are things that are often overlooked. You can't, it's hard to teach tenacity and perseverance when you're getting your MBA. This is why I believe, and this, I know this podcast is not just for veterans, but we are veteran brothers talking to veteran brothers here. Um, tenacity is one of those things that you just get through facing adversity over and over again and knowing I'm going to come out of this alive on the other side you know, and that those battle scars actually build confidence, right? And so this is part of the problem, I think, in our society right now is that we bubble wrapped people so much and not allowed them to fail that now, and it's the thing I'm most worried about with my, my kids, or was worried about with my kids, is that they hadn't really faced any real adversity until now. But we've got le leaders out there that are in their 20s and 30s, and I've got some in my organization, you know, that are mid-level leaders, that this is the first downturn they've ever faced. And it's the worst one we've ever seen as a country. And so it's not like they had the opportunity to play in the peewees and the junior varsity. They went right into the major league apocalypse, you know, <laughs> and, um, and, they're learning, and they have to deal with it. And so I'm spending a lot of time uh, dealing with that. So the horizon, I think, is that um, even though it's tough right now, we're creating strong, tough leaders to help us in the future. So that's what the horizon looks like. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it sounds like, uh, you know, as far as, the, and, and both uh, Vince and I, we teach leadership, we do mentorship, yeah. we do coaching. So we, we, we're hearing the kind of things that we are proud of to hear from a CEO. And, and, and not, not just throwing flowers at you, I'm listening to you intently. Yeah. And the words that you're using I'm looking at your facial expression. I'm, you know, doing a full-on blown, <laughs> blown profile here. But, but, but it, it really speaks to the caliber that your hotel chain has at the helm. And uh, I, I give you kudos for that. 
uh, that should give a good sense of, uh, of, you know, of certainty to your, to your team, you know, to your team players. Your, yeah. your, and, and those are the, are the things that we like to see out of CEOs. And, and we know that, um, you know, and speaking, you know, speaking directly about leadership, because we're kind of transitioning into that. So it's almost yeah. like a, a segue here. Uh, when it, when we know you served in the army, we know you, you did special forces, um, undoubtedly one of the uh, premier, you know, uh, uh, seats at the table when you talk about adversity and facing harm and, and, and danger at, at your own peril. Um, what, uh, what professional development outside of the your military uh, do you engage in to, to keep you at that tempo, right? Because you could, you yeah. know, you could win life. Great question. Great question. So I'm an avid reader, avid podcast listener. Um, and I have, I'm in a mastermind and I have a coach. I think that the, the worst thing that you can do is to be in a, try to be in a leadership position or be in a business executive position, be an entrepreneur and not have mentors, not have coaches. Think about, just do the sports analogy for crying out loud. Who are some of the best athletes that we've ever known or best in their fields? Tiger Woods has coaches. <laughs> Mike Tyson had coaches, right? Name the sport. Everyone's got coaches, you know? They've, in baseball, there are people who have throwing coaches and catching coaches and batting coaches and whatever it is, right? So um, I'm, always, I'm always out there trying to, at 57 years old, I am still trying to become a better version of myself. If there's an area that I'm not, that I want to be better at or that I don't know about, then I hire somebody to help me. It's a fast track, right? The worst thing we can do is pretend that we've got it all together, that we know everything. You know, um, some of the most amazing leaders and mentors I know were not afraid to say, I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. That's why I hire people, right? But I see it all the time where, people that are in junior leadership positions, they're so afraid to say, I don't know. And it's the worst, that's the quickest way to, to disaster is to pretend that you know something that, that, that you don't. So professionally developed, professional development, I have, um, uh, ma personally, I have masterminds and uh, coaches that I lean on. Internally in the organization, which I think is even more important than just me, um, I make sure that I'm identifying my team members' strengths and helping them move closer to their fullest potential. And I do that by doing strengths assessments, uh, primarily the Colby A index and the, now they call it the Clifton Strength Finders. Mm -hmm. um, but many of our, our team members have taken Myers-Briggs as well. Um, I do teaching um, uh, on that kind of thing to our, our team members. We have a thing in our uh, organization called the Peak Potential Pack, where we send out a book and a podcast around a certain topic on leadership, finance, marketing, sales, whatever it is. Um, and supervisors and managers read this as an organization together um, and as part of their ongoing professional development. Um, one of the things I, I kind of touched on it earlier is I really try to teach our leaders and managers, we try to call our managers leaders, um, is the power of storytelling. You guys have heard this, right? Facts tell, stories sell, right? Um, and storytelling and parables have been a way that leaders, Marcus Aurelius was famous, but there's one of the greatest leaders of all time, right? The third great emperor of Rome. Um, 
was a great storyteller, right? You could get people inspired to go into battle by telling a story of how things could be and how they will be, right? And so I think that that's powerful. So I'm writing a book right now on the power of parables and storytelling. So I think that that's one of the neglected areas of professional development as well, because we can have all the, the science skills checked off, but if we can't relay those to people, to our team members and to our clients and to our, um, uh, our, you know, our clients and customers in an effective way where they understand it and buy in emotionally, it's worthless, right? I mean, that marketing and sales is about storytelling, right? Leadership, effective transformational leadership is about storytelling. So I think that's an area that's often overlooked that I really would encourage more people to get involved with. So that's the professional development space. Wow. Well, so we have definitely a plethora of reading and, and podcasting and, <laughs> yeah. and yeah. sharing your story and really yeah. what really gravitated to me to listen to you hearing your story. Um, as a coach, you have a coach and a mentor is great because as a coach, yeah. one thing I love to always ask clients in this mm -hmm. situation is like, what is the upside of the downs of, of the current downside situation? You know, because mm -hmm. there's always a silver lining. There's always a positive. Yeah. And another thing I, I share is that um, is like, we don't drown by falling in the river. We drown by being submerged in it. Yeah. So if yeah. you keep yourself there, you're not going to always go up and be resilient, have the perseverance and the tenacity. That's so great. Yeah, that's good. So that's good. Um, back when you were listening and hearing and emerging as a leader, what yeah. advice did you receive? And what would you love to share? It's very interesting because you already used one of the words. What was I listening, right? Well, one of my mentors said, listen, listen, listen right? Um, and you've heard the adage, right? You have two ears and one mouth. Use them proportionally, right? Um, and it's so true. One of the things I say is I listen, I learn, I lead. You got to listen first, you got to learn from it, then you got to lead. I listen, I learn, I lead. Uh, so that's, that's one of the, the tidbits of advice I got. Another one was know your team. You have to know your team and have an emotional connection to your, to, to your, to your team. Um, Herb Kelleher, the former uh, chairman of Southwest. I'm going to butcher this um, uh, quote, but what he used to say basically was that we've got it all wrong, that we've uh, used our team members and managed our resources, and it should be the other way around, right? Um, and so that's really important. And you can't really lead and manage your team members if you don't know them and know what are the challenges that they're facing, what are their goals, what do they aspire to do and become. Right, the Gallup Strength Find or this Gallup uh, State of the American Workforce Survey uh, finds that 67% of the American workforce is disengaged or actively disengaged, and usually that's because they feel like they're being used. They feel like they're um, they're not being professionally developed. That's oftentimes why people leave their organizations, is they don't feel like their leaders or managers are invested in their professional development, and so um, they lead. One of the tidbits I got. Um, while I was in San Francisco from a mentor of mine was lead through love, not fear. Too many people that are in leadership positions try to lead through this dated command and control structure. And there are times when command and control, I do it because I said so. Um, but that does not usually work in the business arena. Right. But I think that you get a lot more from loving your team members in, in veterans, I think most veterans get this. I, th I think that there's a misconception among veteran leaders uh, among the civilian class and that they think that vets are warmongers, that they're going to come out and they're going to be hard asses. But you don't, 
raise your hand and say, hey, I'm willing to go to battle. I'm willing to lay down my life because you're evil or because you're mean. You do it because you love. You love our way of life. You love your family members. You love the brother and sister to your right and to your left. You love so much, that's why you do it, right? And so if we take that same love into the business arena, I think that we get a lot further. But the problem is a lot of veterans don't like to use the word L-O-V-E, love, you know? So that was one of the best uh, pieces of advice I got was to lead through love, not fear. That's uh, amazing because I, I'm listening and you mentioned challenges and I'll ask you about that here in a second. But okay. um, I, your story brought me back to a time that I was hired as a veteran, right? Yeah. And the whole, the whole veteran uh, uh, nostalgia for them, I guess, was a drill sergeant at Oats 500 hours hitting yeah. the trash can, making everybody right. work, right? And so right. They, got, they got the other version of a veteran, right. which is okay. the guy that loves it, their people to the mission, right? Yeah, loves them yeah. through the mission, gets them to the end. And yeah. so it was a challenge because they got somebody they thought they was, they, they, they didn't expect to see. Uh, but that's funny how you how you brought that up. You yeah. mentioned challenges. You mentioned uh, you know those type of things with your yeah. teammates and the, and what what sort of challenges did you face that made you uh, a better leader? Challenges I faced early on. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have confidence in myself. Okay, so I grew up. And here's what I'm, I'm going to encourage everyone to get therapy. <laughs> I grew up thinking that I was dumb that I wasn't smart, I wasn't good enough, I would never measure up. Um, and it wasn't until I got into martial arts. Um, now I had some quasi success as a wrestler in high school, but still there's those negative things in your mind. Like I had a, a high school guidance counselor tell me that I was not smart enough to be a veterinarian. That if I wanted to work with animals, which I said I did, so I want to be a veterinarian, that I could get into FFA, Future Farmers of America. But I wasn't smart enough to go to college. Right now, when somebody in authority tells you you're not smart enough, and you have family members who tell you you're not very smart or you're just a big dummy, you start to believe that stuff, right? So, um, the first time I real and I knew that I was smart, but not in a different way. Now, as it turns out, I'm dyslexic, I, don't, I wasn't diagnosed until I was in the military. Um, but it wasn't until I took the ASVAB that I scored really, 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 really high on where I had somebody, the recruiter, say, Dang you're really smart. That's the first time anybody told me I was really smart, you know, because I scored in the top one-tenth of one percentile in the country at the time um, on, on the ASVAB. And that's why we said you could even try out for special forces. Um, and so I, I'd, I've heard different stats, but I'd heard that the average IQ on a special forces A team is 135 or something like that. These are not dummies that are on, on an A team, right? But still that has always haunted me, not so much to today, but then when I got out of the military and started my business career, I didn't know that I was smart enough to do this, right? And so I had to get over my own mental hurdles, my own mental challenges uh, about this. Um, and I've had challenges where I've, when I started my public speaking career, you know, I went out and bombed a few times and I could have curled up in the fetal position and said, I'm just not cracked up for this. I'm just not, not good at it. But instead, I leaned into it. And I went to my assistant at the time and said, Katie, you need to get me 30 talks in 30 days. You know, 
so that I don't bomb again, so I can learn how to get through this, right? And so most of the challenges that I face, I know are right up here, right? And so um, I would really encourage people to surround yourselves with people who believe in you, you know, who are willing to speak positively, positivity into your life, who believe in the potential that you have as a leader and as a human. Um, and um, so that's, that's the biggest challenge for me. And I'll bet for most of your viewers and listeners, it's the same challenge. They think that it's outward. They think that it's the economy. They think that it's somebody speaking ill to them, whatever it is. It's how do we, you, you said, I think it was you, Enrico, that said it, maybe it was Vance. It's how do you respond to these challenges? That's the key, right? We could shrink from them or we can lean into them. Sadly, most men, I think in this country today, are wilting away, leaning away from them instead of leaning into them. That has to change. Absolutely, and hearing you speak about, about thoughts forces the actions that you do. So, but it's all predicated on the values that you have instilled in you. As yes. you mentioned, you know, you had that thought lingering and certain actions either drove into certain directions, but when you bombed, your values was really the ones who got you to push through. So yeah. very important to have those values and, sure. and have that mindset and, and know thyself, right? You know, yes. And, and as you sound like a real great strategic thinker and strategic uh, leader, um, so just curious about uh, strategies you use with your team or strategies you use to deal with change. Well, strategy, well, both, I, I guess, is um, I've always believed this, but I think it's even more hypercritical today. And that is that um, we're leading through what I call apocalyptic times right now. and we have touched on a little bit, but maybe I could just be a little more succinct on this is that um, too many leaders stop communicating and the best form of communication during apocalyptic times is over communication. We have to mm -hmm. communicate, 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 and then communicate some more. If there's any question at all, you communicate again. Um, and so one of the best strategies that I'm hearing from our team right now that we have implemented is that we do morning standups, even through zoom, we get all of our leaders on a morning Zoom call. It's very short. And we start with this. Here's one of the most powerful strategies that I have found to work. And it's very simple to do. As we go around and check in with everybody, they start with, here's what I'm grateful for today. Gratitude and anxiety can't live in the same space. Okay. And so when they get really granular about here's the things that I'm grateful for today, and some of them sound really corny, and I could tell some people are get a little bit shy about it, but now that we've been doing it for a few months, people just lay it all out there. Here's what I'm grateful for. And sometimes it's like, I, I'm just so grateful that my dog, for my dog, I'm grateful for whatever. And people list what they're grateful for. So that's really good because it starts to change the mindset from the negativity to the positivity, right? So that's so communication and gratitude are two of the most powerful things that we can do. Now, as a leader, I think it's really it's hypercritical to be speaking about how things, who we aspire to be, not who are we today. We all know who we are today, but who do we aspire to be? We aspire to be a better version of ourselves. We aspire to be, um, you know, a national, whatever, fill in the blank. But here's who we aspire to be. 
but our team members won't recognize it. Our clients won't recognize it. Our partners won't recognize it. Our investors won't recognize it unless we are speaking it out loud. So those are the three things I guess I think are the most, the easiest things that translate to everyone. Um, there are other things I guess we could talk about like what's measured is improved and all those kind of things. But I think those three things uh, anyone could apply to, to, to their businesses um, for life. Is that all right? Is that, did I get, get close to what you were looking for? <laughs> Very wise words indeed. And, and, right. and Larry, we've, we've enjoyed, we thoroughly enjoyed I, I'm going to speak for Vince. I normally won't, <laughs> but uh, we thoroughly enjoyed this, uh, this session with you listening okay, to you. at, at a, at a CEO level, with you know country uh, or, or hotels in different you know states and yeah. and and looking to push forward uh, and you know and capitalize on a blessing because that's what it that's what it amounts to. Yeah. Um, at the end of all this, there's going to be chips that fall, yeah. right? And you have to you have to as a business person, you have to be poised to uh, to be able to recognize that and. Uh, acquire that for the good of the whole and it that's that's what i get from your conversation yeah. and i appreciate yeah. that um if if someone would wanting to uh communicate with you reach out yeah. to you uh even just send you a know how how would they do that well i'm on all i'm on all the social media platforms um it's at larry broughton um instagram's the one i'm i'm not on any of very much anymore but instagram is probably the easiest one but uh linkedin as well uh, but there's a couple of websites that folks can go to if they want to go to one of our hotels. It's broughtonhotels.com. If you want to see everything I'm doing, it's larrybroughton.me is, is the website. And you'll find everything there from coaching to books that I've done to the hotel company. Um, so mentoring program. So larrybroughton.me uh, is uh, one of the websites or Broughton Hotels or Larry, at Larry Broughton on all the social media platforms. Folks, you if I'm not looking, my assistant, Melissa, is looking. So uh, it, it won't be missed if you send us a DM. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard it first from Larry. Him or his teammate will definitely That's right. back out to you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you want to stay in Chicago or Northern or Southern California, yeah. please visit one of the Broughton Hotel properties. Uh, you will not be upset. You're going to be totally satisfied. I recommend it, and, and please do that. Um, as you all are here, we thank you, Larry, again. Grounded in gratitude is what I heard, and that's what we are today. We're grounded in the gratitude of your presence, and we thank you for being here. And as we're moving forward nation, nationwide, next week on uh, the 29th of July, we have another special guest from the Wounded Warrior Project, uh, Coleman Brooks, who is a regional uh, alumni director. So we're so happy to keep moving this needle forward and hearing from great leaders of doing great things in either profit, nonprofit, and different arenas. But again, Larry, we thank you and we salute you. Hats off to you. All right. Thanks, brothers. Cool. All right, folks. So we've enjoyed a great session, great talk, and uh, we want to wish all of you that are listening uh, a great week ahead. But if you want to co communicate with us directly, uh, theleadershipvoid at gmail.com, uh, send us requests. Uh, you know that we every week we say, hey, if you have some uh, shirts or some mugs for us to, to, to you know, drink out of while we're talking, 
uh, please do that. If you want to be on the show, please communicate with us as well. Uh, and for all those listening, have a great week. Be blessed. Thank you for tuning in to the Leadership Void Podcast. If you have any topics you would like to discuss or you are dealing with leadership issues, be sure to write us at theleadershipvoid at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Until next time.